doing good out there we uh, if we're in Ohio Indiana or southern Michigan you had some good storms today or bad storms uh, heavy rains and lightning and possibly uh, some tornadoes according to weather radar. Uh, so I hope everyone's safe out there. Um, this is the panic attack with Big John. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, podcast, uh, the Anchor app, anchor.fm, or YouTube, welcome. Remember to like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. So I was flipping through headlines today, and... Uh, came up with some interesting things that I jotted down that we'll start out with and then see where it leads us. Um, the movie Gone with the Wind has drawn some uh, controversy. It's probably nothing new, but because we're Because the discussion of race relations in America and the world has uh, come about um, over time here, the last few weeks, um, it is uh, renewed its its controversy, I guess. I know the the book Uncle Tom's Cabin. A few years ago, <clears throat> which was written by Harriet Beecher Stowe, I did a report on her in college because it was uh, the professor's favorite book, and we had to. <laughs> um, but it was uh, rewritten uh, in some forms, and a lot of the what, what are now called racial slurs were removed. And there was a controversy, you know, the the book uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin actually started the Civil War. Um, I mean, there were other tensions and things, but the uh, <clears throat> the book was distributed uh, throughout the northern states, and it was a real life look at uh, life on a slave plantation. And, you know, the words that were in that book were normal for the time. Uh, some people argued that, you know, if you take out the N-word, it takes away from the, the power of the book, the, you know, the things that invoke the Civil War, the things that were going on at the time, you know. Uh, it's not bad enough that if we for, we forget our history, we're doomed to repeat it. Now we want to rewrite history. 
Uh, yeah, of course, this is a, a fictional novel, but it's based on reality. I mean, it's very, it's more reality based than reality TV. Okay. So, Gone with the Wind, you know, it, it's loosely based on reality of the time uh, around eight, I think the time the, that the movie is set in is uh, April 1861 is when it, it starts off, from what I was reading online. There's a link to the plot in the description where you can read uh, about Gone with the Wind. But it, you know, depicts life on a southern plantation. Uh, you know, the black people in the movie are not treated well. But that's, when I watched it as a kid, it wasn't like the focus. But this LA Times reporter did an article. Uh, John Ridley. And he said that, the movie glorifies the antebellum South, some of the most painful stereotypes of people of color. Uh, and so HBO Max removed it from their platform. Uh, for some reason, I thought I saw other uh, platforms had removed it, but uh, maybe HBO Max owns the rights because that's the only one I saw mentioned in the article. They said it will return to the platform once, I don't know, eventually, I won't, I won't say once because I don't know. They said it will return to the platform. Once was a bad choice of words. It will return to the platform at some point. Now, you know, it, again, if we forget history, we're going to repeat it. Uh, maybe we're doing that right now. I don't know. Um, so, but that's what happened with Gone with the Wind. It was uh, seen as uh, stereotyping black people, slaves, African Americans, however you want to say it. And so, <clears throat> I'm not going to get into a discussion about that. I just thought it was an interesting headline. Officer Derek Chauvin, the uh, now infamous officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck. Uh, New York Daily News reports that he was negotiating a plea deal even before he was arrested. So it, it sounds to me like he had a... a uh, coming to Jesus, I screwed up moment, um, and realized he was going to be in a world of trouble, and said, I better start negotiating. His attorney declined to comment on whether or not he had been negotiating, but uh, the New York Daily Times is reporting that a local television station in Minneapolis had confirmed that... Uh, Derek Chauvin was negotiating a plea deal before he was even arrested. Uh, NASCAR, 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 uh, what the heck does that stand for? 
National Association of Stock Car Racing, NASCAR. They've banned the Confederate flag at their events. And that's kind of interesting. Um, I'm not for the cracker flag, as I call it. Uh, I don't like the Confederate flag. Um, because it represents, you know, division in our country. Um, it's, yes, it, and it's used, it's used by, you know, the Ku Klux Klan, and it's used by white supremacists along with the Nazi flag, those bald-headed idiots. Um, but the, the thing is, um, I know, you know, plenty of black people that are NASCAR fans, and I don't know if this was just because of the racial divide and the connotation uh, and the history behind the Confederate flag. Um, you know, Southerners see it as part of their heritage. You know, my, my take has always been, you know, the Civil War is over and your side lost. Get over it, <laughs> you know. But NASCAR has banned the Confederate flag from their uh, events, and there, you know, there are people that sell, you know, uh, flags, and you see a lot of Confederate flags flying high. There are NASCAR fans that you know sit in the infield and probably pay a hefty price for that, but they sit kind of in the middle of the track. And you can see a lot of Confederate flags flying at NASCAR events. Not by NASCAR's um, own doing. And the fans in the stands are so packed in, they don't, you know, wave Confederate flags. But you do see them there. You know, people out in the, you know, bring their... Winnebago's and trailers and camp out for the weekend and whatever have their confederate flags flying well that's banned now in NASCAR um get the TV show Get Up on one of the 67 or 1000 ESPN platforms is said uh you know Nick Saban's time is running out the head coach of Alabama, uh, how long can he do this? He's turning 69 years old this season. Uh, I, I still see, you know, when he's, when the team's warming up and different things, I see him, you know, out there running around, throwing the football, and he doesn't look his age. But, you know, time catches up with all coaches. How far into his 70s is he going to coach? Uh, the article I was reading mentioned that, you know, he hasn't won a national championship since 2017. And it's like, uh, that was only three years ago. Um, you know, we haven't even started the 2020 fo college football season yet. Uh, this is like a little crazy, but they, they're kind of saying, you know, he's... He hasn't coached his team to the national championship game in a couple years. And time catches up with all coaches. There are always rumors of recruitment scandals at Alabama. But none have come out, come true yet. 
So we'll see when Father Tom catches up with Nick Saban. Right now he's tied with Bear Bryant, uh, the legendary Alabama coach with six national titles. I think Bryant started coaching Alabama when he was younger than Saban, and he coached longer. So Nick Saban's turned that program around. I mean, it was always a power in the Southeast Conference, but it wasn't what it was under Bear Bryant. Uh, so he brought them back to like national prominence, and you know they score 60, 70 points a game sometimes. Albeit against like you know a trade school or something, but nonetheless, Bryant's or uh, Saban's time may be getting short. This one caught me off guard. Uh, Starbucks plans to close up to 400 stores. Uh, I don't see. I don't think this is an economic thing. I think it's a an oversaturation. Um, I, I haven't been, I personally haven't seen this, but I've heard many stories where you walk out of one Starbucks and there's another one across the street. Um, they, there are a lot of Starbucks stores out there, but they're known for their, uh, their fancy coffees, right? Uh, they're known for like their iced coffee. They were the first ones, at least the first ones I knew of, to put ice in coffee. Um, they had these things called frappuccinos, which was essentially a coffee milkshake, but there wasn't, there was no ice cream in it like a milkshake. It was ice, milk, coffee, and who knows what else. But, uh, you know, now McDonald's is making the same, you know, iced coffees and uh, they call it McFrappe, but it's like a Frappuccino. Um, and, uh, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, Tim Hortons are, are all out there. You can basically get, you know, a Starbucks type coffee if you want you know, coffee in a milkshake form, which is what it is, and, you know, don't kid yourself. Uh, if you want coffee in that, you know, that style, you can get it almost anywhere. And Starbucks, when it was popular, they just saturated the market with stores everywhere. So, um, this, I put a link in the description on YouTube for this. 35 at-home pizza recipes. I think pizza is like the most popular food in America. <coughs> and it's by far my favorite food. Probably mainly the reason why I'm so overweight. Um, but there's th 35 at-home pizza recipes. You can scroll through the YouTube links and uh, find those. Uh, the major articles I wanted to talk about today... Um, kind of read the article and then give you my opinion. Treasury Secretary Steve uh, Munchen is 
considering more uh, direct payments to individuals as another phase of virus rescue legislation. Um, we all know, you know, when states started to open up, as Donald Trump said, you know, the economy came roaring back. The stock market shot up. Um, you know, jobs uh, came up. They were expecting like 9 million job losses, and instead they added 3 million jobs. And it was all because of states uh, starting to open back up. Um, back to the article. Uh, adding funds, at, or Munchen added that funds should also be targeted to help sectors struggling to reopen, including hospitality and tourism. You know, I, I'm not really big on all this government welfare and corporate bailout stuff. Um, I don't want my tax dollars going to help Disney World, like, reopen, okay? Walt Disney Company makes plenty of money on its own. But, uh, you know, small businesses, uh, you know, need that. And hospitality uh, includes, you know, restaurants and hotels that really took a beating when people uh, weren't allowed to go out and eat. And even before all these lockdown orders, people had stopped going to bars and restaurants for a couple weeks just out of the fear that uh, the media was spreading. It says, the article says, testifying before the U.S. Senate Small Business Committee Munchen said the Treasury also planned new guidance this week to ease rules that prohibit business owners with a criminal conviction in the past five years from accessing Paycheck Protection Program loans. Uh, that would be reduced to three years, and Munchen said he was opening to easing the rules further. Munchen said he definitely believed another round of federal virus aid would be needed, including measures to create jobs. Congress has passed, has so far passed three virus bills totaling $3 trillion in programs, including small business payroll loans, payments to individuals, money for health care providers. Health care providers, like dentists especially, took a bath in this virus shutdown and when states like Ohio said uh, no more voluntary surgeries like you know cosmetic surgery and things of that nature um, you know surgeries that weren't like life-saving when they said that those surgeries and hospital stays had to be stopped that hospitals and healthcare providers took a huge hit um, and let's see here Federal Reserve credit market backstops is also in the next plan um, we will have a significant amount of unemployment and we're going to need to look at doing something there Munchen said I think we're going to seriously look at whether we went 
we want to do more direct money to stimulate the economy but I think it's all going to be about getting people back to work that's the key you know um, one day our economy was doing good and next day it was closed so we've got to you know think about that you know how do we get people back to work they're starting to come back to work as businesses reopen the retail business went huge um, you know home delivery of foods what became a huge market um, door things like DoorDash and uh, like Uber Eats and some of these really took off during the pandemic because one, people weren't allowed to leave their houses. Two, they were afraid to leave their houses. So we'll, we'll see how the economy bounces back. So far, it's, it's coming back on its own, but they want to speed things up and get people working again. And I, uh, I feel that's good, but this constant, you know, throwing $1,200 welfare checks at people uh, and, you know, corporate bailouts really aren't my thing. So, Vox has an article up, how I have two weeks of protest, or it says, how two weeks of protest have changed America. How two weeks of protest have changed America. So, since George Floyd was murdered, let's see how it's changed America. It, it's opened my eyes, and I see, you know, a, a lot of things differently now. Uh, I've listened more now to the words of my African American friends, my black friends. Um, and, you know, America is about change, okay? From its inception, the United States of America has been about change. You know, we wanted to change from uh, a monarchy, right? The pilgrims and, you know, all these other people came over here because they were tired of living under King George uh, and all those people, uh, a monarchy in Great Britain, which was how most of the world was run at that time. Then they came up with this thing called a democratic republic, which we were the first of our kind. Uh, you know, and then, what, a hundred years goes by, or a little less, and a group, you know, this group of people called, uh-oh, the evil word, Republicans, uh, an abolitionist, I can't say every abolitionist was a Republican, but Lincoln, you know, started the Republican Party in a little shack in Illinois, uh, just strictly for the abolishment of slavery. Kiss my ass if you don't want to believe real history, okay? So we go to, you know, through this civil war that was for change. Things needed to be changed. 
a uh, hundred years later, things still weren't weren't good enough, weren't right. There was still segregation, still you know severe systematic systemic racism, and so more things needed to be changed. So we had the civil rights movement. Now, what? We'll say the civil rights movement started in the 1960s. We're now at 2020. So 50, 60 years later, we still have some problems with, with race relations. Black people are afraid of police officers. Uh, they don't feel they get their fair shake in America. So things need to change again. So, um, <clears throat> Uh, the article talks about, let's see here, Minneapolis announced on June 7th that it will dismantle its police force and rebuild law enforcement from the ground up. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, police departments in cities ranging from Lincoln, Nebraska to Denver, Colorado have reached agreements with the community to improve accountability in their law enforcement officers. Now, that's the change we need, okay? Uh, I don't, I haven't seen Minneapolis's plan other than hearing the president of their city council talking about it on CNN and a few other networks that they want to do away with police altogether and have community law enforcement. Rots a ruck with that. Uh, let's see here. Beyond these policy changes broad are broad cultural shifts across the South. Cities have brought down Confederate monuments, removed other homages to former slave owners, accelerating a process that began in Charleston, South Carolina uh, with the Charleston, South Carolina church shooting in 2015. Meanwhile, polling shows a sudden systemic shift or size, pardon me, seismic shift in public opinion. 57% of Americans and 49% of white respondents now believe that police are more likely to use excessive force against African Americans. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but it, the African American community does have a disproportionate number of interactions with the police. So we need to look further into what's causing that. Uh, see here, 2014, after Eric Garner died in police custody, only 33% of Americans and 26% of white respondents said so. Why is it always going to be like black versus white or white versus black or whatever in everything that liberals talk about? Why can't we just be people? Oh, well, more than... Two-thirds of Americans believe Floyd's killing indicated broader issues in the way the police treat black Americans rather than just an isolated incident. By a two-to-one margin, voters are also concerned by the actions of police in relation to Floyd's killing than about violent protesters. That's a lot of bit unnerving. Neither one needed to happen. George Floyd 
did not need to die. Okay? When he said he couldn't breathe, those officers needed to check him and see why. Number, Secondly, when he lost consciousness, uh, a lot of people, doctors I've seen, say that that's when he took his last heartbeat also. Now, I don't know how they can judge that from the video, but they're doctors and I'm not. So, the point is, the officers were obligated to help him, when, especially when he lost consciousness, when he went limp, if you will. They were obligated to do something, start first aid, start CPR, all those things. So, George Floyd should not be, I can't, I shouldn't, I, yeah, I'm going to say George Floyd should not be dead right now, okay? Simple as that. We'll just keep it simple, stupid. Uh, let's see here. Lawmakers at both the state and federal level are working on reform legislation. Uh, Democrats in Congress reveal, unveiled a sweeping police reform bill that would make lynching a federal crime. I thought that was already a federal crime. But anyways, uh ban chokeholds, make it easier to charge officers with using excessive force, curtail qualified immunity for those involved in wrongful injuries or death. All right, I'm going to take a stop here. And qualified immunity is highlighted. I want to see what that means. This is another Vox article. Uh, this one's entitled, Why Police Can Violate Your Constitutional Rights and Suffer No Consequences in Court. I don't know that I agree with that, but... Okay, so a SWAT team ruined Shazin West's house. Police approached West because they believed her ex-boyfriend who had an outstanding felony arrest warrant, was inside the home. He wasn't. West gave the police permission to enter the home, an important fact because it meant the police could enter without a warrant and lent uh, an officer her key. But West did not expect the police to smash their windows or to fire so much tear gas into the home that it saturated her possessions and made the house unlivable for two months, or to fire tear gas canisters at such velocity that her walls and ceilings suffered extensive damage. The city only gave her $900 to cover her losses, plus a hotel room for three weeks. Uh, then it shows a picture of a, a, a beat-up baby crib, a really old-looking TV, and uh, glass and stuff everywhere. And yet, when West sued, a federal appeals court determined her lawsuit was dead on arrival. The culprit was qualified immunity, a doctrine which gives government officials 
broad, if not limitless, protection against federal lawsuits. The unusual lawsuit immunity enjoyed by police is under increasing scrutiny in the wake of George Floyd by uh, Minneapolis police officers. One lawmaker, Rep. Justin Amish, a MASH uh, independent from Michigan, has even proven legislation or proposed legislation that would abolish qualified immunity. Um, Okay, and you can read on about that. So, yeah, that, um, you know, that I'm not sure about. I know, you know, in a different angle of this um, qualified immunity, um, where I'm from, it's called sovereign immunity. And let me give you an example of how we used it one time at City Hall. Uh, There were people driving down the road and there was uh, a, a metal plate covering up uh, something on the road. Their front tire hit the metal plate in such a way it caused the back end of the plate to rise up and catch the undercarriage of their car and it bent the plate in half and also bent the frame and did significant damage to the body of the car. Uh, The people's insurance company, as well as uh, our, the village's insurance company, said that we didn't have to pay them anything because of one, sovereign immunity, two, you know, you can't pay people every time they blow a tire or bend a rim on a street curb or hitting a pothole. So this immunity is for all government entities, not just police officers. So I'm interested to see this legislation that rolls that back and how it would work. Because, you know, had we had to buy them a new, um, I think it was a minivan, you know, it would have cost us what? What's a minivan cost? Twenty or thirty thousand uh, dollars. As it was, we paid their deductible, which their insurance company said you guys are, are too generous for doing that. The the insurance company on the van that the people were driving said that you guys are too generous for doing that but I chose to extend them an olive branch and help them out a little bit, you know. Um, I mean, their vehicle was totaled. Um, But nonetheless, you know, that's where this qualified immunity or sovereign immunity would, uh, qualified immunity, you know, can change, change things, you know. I feel like, you know, if there was no one in the house, one, why didn't officers just search the house at gunpoint looking for the guy? Why did they need to tear gas it and, you know, ramshack the place? Uh, a human being, a, a man, for the, uh, unless he's a really small man, is not going to hide inside a baby crib. Uh, and that, that was like, well, it might have been in the middle of the floor to begin with, but... Nonetheless, you see a, you know, 
funky looking baby crib sitting in the middle of this apartment and the picture that this article on Vox showed. So anyways, uh, I think, I know there's going to be some police reform and some changes. Um, you know, some things need to happen. Things need to change a little. Um, you know, and, and let me tell you, there's, there are good, bad, and otherwise people everywhere in the world. Um, some endorse endorsed by eight can't wait reform platform I'm reading the article again by the way uh, which includes remedies such as banning chokeholds changing reporting protocols for use of force incidents mandating police intervene when they witness misconduct in other words they want officers to rat on other officers um, then it you know, goes on to talk about uh, others have even called for more radical man measures like defunding police or abolishing police. Now, something, you know, funny that I heard, uh, there's another article also linked in the description about, it's called Momentum Builds to End Qualified Immunity. Um, but, okay, what was I getting ready to say? When they say defunding, you know, de Blasio was kind of doing a little ass-covering move when he said he's going to move to defund the NYPD. He meant, okay, out of their, like, six or nine million dollar budget, he was going to cut a billion dollars from the police budget. What he didn't tell people was his city is going to have to defund a lot of stuff. If that's how you're defining defund, by taking um, a billion dollars away from the department that gets a six billion dollar budget, it may be as high as nine billion. I can't remember. If it, if it was, it might have been nine billion and six percent of the New York City budget but other things in New York are going to have to be cut too now de Blasio said that he was going to take that billion dollars and put it towards you know community projects and things like that uh, we'll see because uh, thanks to the virus New York just like a lot of states and cities is facing a huge tax deficit like they haven't been collecting enough sales taxes and things of that nature because nobody's been buying stuff, you know. Businesses were closed down so they're missing out on, you know, payroll taxes and things of that nature. So, you know, governments are going to have to defund a lot of things, but I think the bigger thing with the word defunding, though liberals are saying, oh, no, no, we don't mean... Uh, dismantle the police when we say we say defund no you mean dismantle you want 100% of their funding taken away so there's no more police department I, you know I wasn't I was not born in the dark last night I didn't fall off any turnip trucks okay so when they're talking about defunding 
they're not talking about just a couple dollars here or there, or billions of dollars in the case of New York City. They're talking about defunding to the point that there's no more police department. And in Minneapolis, they're talking about eliminating it completely and starting from the ground up. I haven't seen their plan, but I don't know how you do that when your city is consistently one of the highest crime rate cities in America, the highest murder rates, the highest, you know, in everything criminal related, you know. So they need to take a much harder look, and it goes beyond the police department. It goes into race relations, it goes into uh, poverty relations, poverty zones. <coughs> you know, Trump and Cory Booker and Tim Scott created opportunity zones to help the black community, give businesses a tax break to create jobs in lower income areas. Uh, which are generally black parts of town in the in the cities. Um, so that's what needs to happen. Give people opportunity, you know, not smashing the windows of you know private family mom and pop businesses. Yeah, you know, some people say, well, those mom and pop businesses are almost corporations. Well, good. Some one individual or a family or two or three friends got together and said, hey, let's open a business. And then they built it into something huge. Awesome. That's not, they shouldn't get punished by rioters, rioters for doing that. You know, oh, good grief. So anyways, that's the, the news and my thoughts and opinions on what's going on in the world today. Um, so I'm, I want to try to mix a little more um, pop culture and sports and stuff into these uh, videos and podcasts. So it's, I'm not just white noise out there, but you know, my three big loves in life are uh, politics professional wrestling and Oakland Raiders football so you know maybe we'll get a little more of the other two involved in these uh, videos and podcasts but for now nanu nanu as Mork from Ork would say we'll see you the next time God bless you and pray for one another always <laughs>